You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Husky schneider This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Later in the program, we have an excerpt from tomorrow's Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Today's guest is Jamie Sweeney, owner of the Juniper Art Gallery. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, AirTag, You're It on Better Beware, the weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More following today's feature. But first, your environmental news brief. WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, December 8th. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. Earlier this month, the Bloomington City Council voted to ban the sale of cats and dogs from local pet stores. This is due to the rise of concern about puppy and kitty mills, which often prioritize the production volume of the animals over their well-being. The parent animals are often overbred, and the baby animals are often of poor health due to inbreeding. The Humane Society's branch in the state of Indiana is supportive of this ban and hopes that it will reduce the number of these stores in the area. The ordinance would fine each store $500 per violation once it goes into effect on January 1st of 2023. BP, a British multinational oil and gas company, has been fined $512,450 from the state of Indiana for air pollution violations occurring at the Whitting Refinery along Lake Michigan. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, each ton of pollution released by the refinery imposes a cost on public health that annually ranges from $360,000 to $830,000. This type of air pollution can trigger asthma and cause other respiratory issues. Besides the fine, BP must also install new carbon pollution prevention devices and consistently monitor suit emissions. There's concern from environmental groups that BP will fail to adhere to the standards despite the fine and have begun calling for more government oversight to ensure the pollution ceases. New research from the University of Manitoba Center for Earth Observation Science has found that towards the end of the century, the Arctic will be warm enough to receive more rain than snow. This study began due to rain falling on a Greenland ice sheet last August, which stumped scientists as there previously was no metric to measure rain occurring on these ice sheets. Rain can cause melting on ice sheets and thus lead to ocean level increases. This occurrence will only increase as temperatures continue to rise even if proper climate precautions are taken. That's all for Environmental News Brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel.
At the COVID-19 press conference on December 2nd, Board of Health Director Penny Caudill gave an update on the rise and community spread of COVID-19. Yesterday, we had 94 cases reported to the dashboard, the largest number of cases reported since January of 2021. When we had Uh, 104 cases at that time. Today's cases were in the mid-70s. I think it was 74. When I looked back through my data notes, I found days that were in the mid-70s in the first week of January of of this past year, uh, followed by that 104. Um, In the end of July, we were looking at, we had 58 cases reported in one day. So we have seen that big jump that you were talking about as well. With over half of our eligible population vaccinated, some people may be asking, why is this happening? Well, while half of our eligible population vaccinated may be much better than some surrounding counties, it is not good. It's not nearly high enough. Mask wearing indoors and in crowded situations is waning, and it is clear that people are not staying home when they are sick. IU Health President Brian Shockney reported on the rising COVID-19 cases in the region. Our numbers have nearly doubled in the last week. We're seeing the same trend in the numbers between IU Health Bloomington and Monroe Hospital uh, and their their COVID admissions as well. We didn't expect to be increasing in cases so soon again, uh, but as temperatures turn colder, vaccination levels continue to remain low across the country and in some of our areas here in the South Central region, we're once again seeing a spike as Penny shared earlier. According to the Washington Post, um, states such as our neighboring Michigan saw an 86% increase in COVID cases and a 37% increase in hospitalizations in the month of November, narrowing in on the numbers that rivaled their peak experience in April of 2020. We also are seeing um, early indications of the same level of increases of uh, positivity and uh, hospital admissions, not only at IU Health, but also across the state of Indiana. The hospital admissions and census in our district mirror the Indiana pattern. On the screen here, you see the recent pattern since July of this year. We never recovered from this current surge as we did in the previous surges. And here we are ramping back up with infections, hospitalizations, and unfortunately, deaths. Caudill said that they have learned through contact tracing that there are numerous instances of individuals going to social gatherings with symptoms of COVID-19 and urged residents to get tested before going to gatherings, even if they think it could just be allergies. IU Chief Health Officer Aaron Carroll said that individuals who have been vaccinated might think they don't have to take as many precautions, but warned that there can be breakthrough cases. Um, we're seeing in our contact tracing where we we find people who are positive and when we're doing the work, uh, it turns out that they've had two days of symptoms, which are concerning. Um, I think that there's a variety of reasons for this. One is uh, that, you know, until a year or two ago, it was part of our culture that there was something noble or American about powering through sickness and going to work, even if you didn't feel well. It's hard to get people not to do that. Uh, we have students that don't want to fall behind. We have professors that don't want to miss class. We have staff that want to go to work. And so convincing everyone that when you have symptoms, you need to stay home and you need to get tested is still a climb. The second is that a lot of the, the cases that we see this happen are people who are vaccinated and they assume, therefore, that they are safe. And that they're, when they do feel symptoms, that it's much less likely that they will have COVID. And that is true. It is less likely. 
but it is not zero. And we encourage them to get tested. But if you have to do this a couple of times a year because you have had colds or other viruses or RSV or enterovirus or the flu, uh, after a while, it, it just becomes human nature. You start to discount. It. So we are redoubling our messaging internally that anyone with symptoms needs to stay home, needs to get tested, needs to stay away until they, they know they don't have COVID. But, but that message needs to be spread widely. The next COVID-19 press conference will be held in two weeks to accommodate the new IU Hospital dedication ceremony. At the Monroe County Health Department Town Hall held on December 1st, Dr. Carol Talukin, Dr. Scott Moore, and Dr. Jason Simmons shared information and answered questions residents have concerning the COVID-19 vaccine for children. Dr. Talukin explained how the mRNA vaccine works to address parents' concerns over how it would affect their children. A lot of people have concerns because this is an mRNA vaccine. mRNA stands for messenger RNA, and that's all it is. It's just the messenger. It's not the virus. It's not anything that can cause you to get infected. You can't transmit it to anyone. It's just a messenger. It tells your body to make the spike protein, which is not the infectious virus, not the virus, just the surface of the virus, and then your body can make antibodies. It does not interact with DNA. Uh, it cannot go in the nucleus and combine with your DNA. mRNA is a very short-lived thing. Uh, it's very short-lived. It doesn't last long in your body. Uh, it doesn't interfere with fertility or pregnancy because it can't get into your DNA. And we've actually, thinks, everyone thinks this technology is so new, but we've, we've been, this has been going on for decades, and been, these vaccines have been in development for next decades. We just needed a really good pandemic to get it going. And that's basically what happened. So. It's, it's a good vaccine. It doesn't cause disease. It, it, it doesn't change your DNA. It's, 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 but that's all it is. It's just, mess, it's just a messenger. Residents submitted questions about if their child should still get the vaccine if they've already had COVID. Dr. Simmons said that they still should. Yes. So, yes, they, they should still get the, uh, the vaccine. Um, so, uh, COVID having it, COVID itself, the immunity. Uh, uh, varies for that. So you may not get uh, as long-lasting immunity as you might get from the vaccine. So there's no need to wait. Uh, the only contraindication uh, um, is if you've had this MISC uh, that we will talk about later, that, that you should wait at least the 90 days after if you've had that, been diagnosed with that. Um, also, just waiting until your quarantine period is over. So if you've had covid uh, obviously, you don't want to be out exposing people, so wait until you feel better. And and but at that point, you can go ahead and get the COVID vaccine. Another question that was submitted asked if the adult dose of the vaccine is different from the child dose. It's a third of the adult dose, uh, so it is a smaller dose. And as a result of that, I think we are seeing less side effects in the five to eleven age than we do in the older kids. Um, um, not that there can't be some side effects, but I think overall we definitely see less. And I've not had any of, from personal reports, any of my uh, patients report significant side effects from the from the vaccine. Um, so the buffer, so trometamine is the buffer, and so that is what allows the uh, vaccine to be stored at more uh, at 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 not as cold temperatures so we can keep them in our office uh, for a longer period of time. This video can be accessed on the Community Access and Television Services website if individuals would like to hear the answers to all of the questions Monroe County residents submitted.
At the Monroe County Commissioner's meeting on December 1st, Board of Health Director Penny Cottle updated the commissioners on the Omicron variant preparation. Uh, with the identification of Omicron, the new variant of concern, I know that there are many, many questions about that, and we don't have many answers for that right now. We are waiting to get more details and information as our scientists are looking at that and trying to get those answers for us. But there are some things that we do know. We know that vaccination is still needed. We know that wearing your mask is still needed. Uh, washing your hands, keeping your hands away from your face, uh, staying home if you're sick, if you have a fever, you're symptomatic, you've been diagnosed, uh, following quarantine guidelines. If you are unvaccinated and you're in close contact, stay home. Um, if you are vaccinated and you're a close contact, you do not have to quarantine, but you still need to monitor and it's advised that you get tested after Day five, probably between day five and seven is ideal. The more the virus circulates, the greater the ability to mutate into new variants and the greater the risks that eventually our vaccines will not be as protective as they currently are. We don't need to let that happen. And we have ways around that and it's vaccination. Monroe County Prosecuting Attorney Erica Oliphant presented a one-time federal grant that would give Adult Protective Services staff members a bonus for their work during the pandemic. She said that amidst the quarantine, Adult Protective Services staff still conducted home visits during a time without personal protection equipment and vaccinations. Adult Protective Services staff only conducted a few home visits, but at that time, personal protective equipment was not widely available. There were many unknowns about COVID-19. There was no vaccine available. And many of the potential endangered adults are high risk, as are some of the staff in my adult services unit. The end of quarantine did not signal the end of stress regarding known and unknown risks associated with COVID-19. Adult Protective Services staff could not get vaccinated until February of 2021 meaning that for nearly a year, the investigators and the director were in close contact with people during home visits with little protection from infection. Uh, adult Protective Services staff had to make phone calls and complete paperwork associated with services and benefits for our endangered adults and those under investigation that they would not normally be responsible for uh, because some of our partner agencies were not operating at the same capacity or with the same procedures as they normally do. The increased risk of the jobs combined with the increased tasks and responsibilities, all of which are direct results of COVID-19 pandemic, have caused low morale and feelings of burnout among our small staff. Commissioner Penny Giffins said that she was appreciative the staff continued to work under the stressful conditions. Now, I'm just really thankful that the staff continued to take care of the, such a vulnerable population. Um, they, I feel like they deserve this. The county commissioners voted unanimously to approve the federal grant. The next county commissioners meeting will be held on December 8th. In today's feature report, we have a teaser from tomorrow's Big Talk, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Today's guest is Jamie Sweeney, owner of the Juniper Art Gallery. The full episode airs tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. and again on Friday at 11.30 a.m. on WFHB Community Radio. 
The full program will be available online tomorrow at WFHB.org. Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week, uh, once again, another expatriate. Well, half and half expatriate. She's a longtime Bloomington resident, still lives in Bloomington, but has taken her business to another town. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm uh, speaking of Jamie Sweeney. Jamie. Hi. Hi. Thanks, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you for having me. Now, Jamie Sweeney is the owner now of the Juniper Art Gallery. You may remember her. And gosh, if you don't remember her, I don't know where you've been. You may remember her <laughs> as the owner and operator and proprietor of the Wandering Turtle Art Gallery. Now, this is back about uh, 10 or so years ago. The Wandering Turtle was on the north side of the Bloomington courthouse square juniper right. art gallery now is in spencer indiana that's on the south side of the owen county courthouse square as i said you're a real art gal <laughs> i am i it's just in my blood as i said <laughs> i can't help it yeah but then after that you went and you were the volunteer and membership director for the sycamore land trust Hey, you were working right in my neighborhood, for gosh sake. Oh, sakes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was like headhunted for that. I mean, I got a call from the executive director at Area 10 when I was working, and he said, hey, listen, we want you to come here and be our volunteer membership director. And I was like, oh, I got a job. I like it. And I was courted to go there and a little reluctantly left Area 10 because I was really enjoying working with seniors. I mean, I took care of both my elderly parents as they were aging and till they both died. But the thing is, it was like so, so seductive because it's nature, you know, just like, oh, my God, yeah. I, I've been a member of Sycamore Land Trust since the early 90s when they first formed. And so it was just like such an honor to be asked to be part of their team and I kind of just couldn't turn it down. You know, it was just such a great opportunity. And so I worked for them for a while and I, I, I really enjoyed the work that I did there. And I felt like it was making a difference, preserving land here in, you know, well, actually they, they, their land uh, is kind of all over Southern Indiana, yes, but, yeah. but it was very cool to, to be involved in that organization. I'm still a really big supporter of it. Well, how did you then end up as the associate publisher for Malcolm Abrams Bloom magazine? Again, I was headhunted. He called me at Sycamore Land Trust. Oh my. And I want you to come work for me. And and why would he call you? I had been advertising with Bloom and we just kind of got to be friendly with each other over the years, you know, I mean, Bloomington's just such a small place. And I can remember him coming into Wandering Turtle when he first started the whole uh, magazine and we hit it off and we were friends ever since then. He knew that I had a lot of connections. And I think uh -huh. that was probably just the fact that I've done so many things and I've known so many people that that seemed like a good match for an associate 
publisher because I, you know, the, the job of the associate publisher is basically to sell advertising and, uh-huh. you know, but it ended up being way more than that for me. I got to really experience what it takes to put such a publication together. And I think they respected me enough to like include me in things that maybe um, aren't just about advertising, but, you know, like, what's your opinion about how this which how should this page be laid out or whatever and that was really fun for me and also just the whole editing and writing in because I've been a writer my entire life I love writing and if I could do anything like in my retirement I want to write a book so it was really really good to have the experience of seeing how they would take too many words and edit them down to being super um, concise and all you needed you know, uh, I was doing a little research into you and your life, obviously, uh, as you can guess. And I went to your LinkedIn page, uh, our guest this week being Jamie Sweeney, the owner of the Juniper Art Gallery. And on your LinkedIn page, boy, I found the neatest quote about you. And I, I think I'm going to make your face red again. Uh-oh. And that is this. Jamie Sweeney is one of the most engaging and compassionate women I have ever worked with. This is from a woman with whom you worked, obviously, in the past. What a great line, huh? That really touches my heart, yes. For our listeners, uh, I apologize for the sound distortions. As you know, we're always working on Zoom these days, ever since uh, the pandemic started. So if it sounds like Jamie's speaking in a coffee can, she's not. My apologies. But compassionate, compassionate. Well, I really, really care about people. I mean, there's been so many things I've done in my life that were even before, you know, any of these things. I I mean, I've always been a volunteer. I started an organization. I, I didn't start an organization, but I started a chapter of a thing called bread for the journey, which was, we would raise money and, and have grants for low income people to do projects they wanted to do. And I did that in Bloomington for many years. I headed up that. I just care about people and I care about their ability to, to be self-expressive. And so like with this cool group that I had, we had a chapter of for many years, we would fund their like projects like I don't know if you've ever driven under that bridge that's over by client workers the music and, and bridge the yeah railroad. yeah that that was one of the projects a woman told me she came approached me she lived in a neighborhood over there and she approached me and said my my little child asked me one day if I live if we live in the ghetto you know huh. and she said it just kind of broke her heart and she wanted to make the entrance into their neighborhood beautiful so we provided you know support and paint and like I don't know this is small they were micro loans like $500 and she painted the Hoagie Carmichael Stardust on that bridge so right. the, the, the the staff the music yeah, staff yeah. yeah the music staff yeah it was it, that's what she and then she said now my son loves to come into our neighborhood you know, oh. this is a long time ago, long, long time ago. And, in the, you know, there's been so many trucks run into that bridge. No kidding. It's like <laughs> such a mess now. But it still warms my heart when I think about, and there were so many examples of little projects like that. They were all micro loans. So that's just kind of the way I've 
been my whole life. I like to do things for other people. And I am, and I think I used the word before just being a conduit. I don't really see myself as doing anything all that special. I just see myself making it, making opportunities for other people to do something that matters to them and, and helps the community. And it makes me happy. My guest this week has been Jamie Sweeney. She's the owner, operator, proprietor of Juniper Art Gallery. Uh, that's right on the Courthouse Square in Owen County, Spencer, Indiana, as a matter of fact. Jamie Sweeney, thanks for joining us on Big Talk. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Up next, we have AirTag, You're It on Better Beware, the weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. Host and producer Richard Fish says that the new Apple AirTag can be very useful, and it's got a lot of security built in, but there are ways in which crooks can use it against you, whether you've got an iPhone or not. We turn to Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Earlier this year, Apple launched a new product called an AirTag, and it's being heavily promoted as a great gift or a stocking stuffer for the holidays. An AirTag is a little plastic disc about the size of a quarter that will report its location to its owner, no matter where it is. Of course, it only works with Apple's iPhone running iOS 14.5 or later, so if you don't have one of those, you can't use it. But even if you don't have a phone at all, somebody could use it against you. It's a very clever device and very secure. In fact, it may be too secure for your own good. Here's how it works. First, you set it up for your iPhone. Then you put it in or with something you want to keep track of, like your car keys, a camera bag, a musical instrument case, or your suitcase when you board an airplane. The AirTag continuously sends out a signal called a ping to any and all iPhones within its reach, and those phones send the signal, which contains its location, onto your iPhone. Nobody else, none of those other iPhones, can get that location information, not even Apple. But your iPhone will show you exactly where the AirTag is, and since there are so many iPhones out there now, it works almost anywhere in the world. It can even help the police track down a stolen item. Pretty neat, huh? But crooks have figured out how to use it. Suppose you've got a fancy new car, the kind that gets stolen a lot. If a thief finds your car in a parking lot, he can slip one of his air tags into the vehicle, in a trailer hitch or the fuel port or stick it on underneath, and wait until he sees you've gone home. 
Sophisticated thieves like to steal cars from homes. It's safer than public lots or garages, which have cameras and security. Even with modern cars, they can find a way to get in without setting off alarms and plug a gadget into a car's diagnostic port, which reprograms it to work with a key they brought. But that's not all. What if somebody you don't like wants to find out where you go or where you live and plants an air tag on you? Apple has tried to address that. If your iPhone keeps getting pinged by a nearby air tag and it stays with you for a while, when you get home, and iPhones know where your home is, your iPhone will notify you that there's an unknown air tag nearby. Thieves and stalkers hope you'll ignore that, and if you don't have an iPhone, of course, you won't know anything about it. It's an interesting gadget, but personally, I never buy version 1.0 of anything. AirTag, you're it. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.